says, Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the, the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered, sorry, he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So these verses here are kind of a I think these these I believe are verses that kind of record an interesting occurrence. Okay, and I don't know if y'all have maybe read the, these verses before or, or given them any any study or any thought, um, but it's 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 a very unique it's a very unique time when we think about this time period. And I mentioned this last week because Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit has not yet been given. And just to kind of keep that in mind and. We see here that Peter, um, you know, after much prayer and, and such, as we talked about last week, they were gathered together in very, uh, very, what's the word I'm thinking of? I can't even think of the word, but very directed prayer. Okay, how's that? Uh, that's not the word I'm thinking of, but anyway, fervent, fervent prayer, I would say. And praying, and, and you know, I thought, I thought this week, I said, well, you know, I, I don't know, have no idea what they were praying for, but I'm sure they were praying for um, Maybe they were praying for the, for the Spirit. Jesus said the Spirit was going to come. I'm sure they were probably praying for, that, for, that spirit, for the Spirit to come, for the Holy Spirit to come, among other things, I'm sure. But irregardless, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet, and Jesus is not present. And yet, we see as these, as these folks are gathered together and these men are gathered together that they say, well, we need a, there needs to be a replacement for Judas. Now, please, I'm just sharing kind of some reading that I've done, okay? And I'm not in any way, shape, or form, do not take into consideration here or think that I'm questioning God's word. I'm not. I'm just, you know, when we look, I believe God's word, and Josh, chime in here if I say something wrong, but everything in God's word is meant for us to read, to study. Everything in here is for his purpose, for us to grow and to learn from and to apply to our lives. So I'm not questioning. All I'm, I'm just going to kind of lay out the facts here as best I can and we move forward. How's that sound? Is that fair? So, but I, I never had really given it much thought. I'll just be honest with you. Um, and it says, so Jesus is not present and the Holy Spirit has not yet been given. So I'm sure that these men, the ones present, they were acting with good intentions. Okay? And, and I'm not saying anything was done wrong here. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just thinking, again, something for us to meditate on and ponder if you haven't before. So I believe this election... Of, of a replacement for Judas Iscariot, and that's what we're talking about here, is like every other account recorded in the Bible. It's here for us to study, for us to meditate on, and for us to grow in his word. I mean, that's the purpose. Everything in his word is for that. Y'all agree? So, this election, I mean, I'm calling it an election because in a sense that's what it was. They said, well, they asked for guidance, and there was two that came to the front, and there was an election. And, they were, and this one was chosen. 
And, and I don't mean an election in terms of casting a ballot. I'm talking about election in the term of the word. If you give me a little bit of leeway there. So whether or not we believe personally that Matthias was God's choice, that's neither here nor there. It was done, and it's recorded here for us. Okay? And I'm not saying he wasn't God's choice, but I'd just like for us to ponder a few things. Is that fair? I mean, I think that's why we have Bible study, right? And that's why we have Sunday school is for us to talk about God's word. So just a few things to ponder. Number one, correct me if I'm wrong, but the other 11 apostles were personally chosen by Jesus himself. Okay? Um, the other 11 apostles are mentioned in other books of the Bible. And I went through and looked, and, and I could have missed it, but in my concordance, I could not find any other place in God's word where this man named Matthias is mentioned. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about him. I'm sure he was a good man. He wouldn't have been chosen by these men if he wasn't a good man. I'm sure he wasn't. Again, I'm just giving some food for thought here. The other man, and this, is, this I found interesting. I never had really looked. The other man here that's mentioned, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, um, he is mentioned. He's even mentioned later in the book of Acts. So just some thoughts here. So my thought is, I believe the replacement for Judas Iscariot, myself, I think, he was, I think his replacement was really Paul. I mean, that's my thought. I mean, and, and that's just, again, just based on some reading I've done. And why, why do I think that? I mean, to me, the main reason is because he was called by Christ. I mean, he was called on the, on the, on the road. He was called out. And also, Paul himself tells us a couple of things. And, um, well, Paul tells us a whole lot of things from the Holy Spirit. But anyway, in 2 Corinthians 1.1, I'm not going to read all of these, but I'll just, y'all can go back and look at it sometime if you want. 2 Corinthians 1.1, Ephesians 1.1, Colossians 1.1, and 2 Timothy 1.1, Paul begins every one of those books of the Bible in, the, in this fashion. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. That's pretty, that's pretty good witness, is it not? In Titus 1.1, he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I missed the one. I skipped over the one that I, that I wanted to read. Galatians 1.1 says this. He writes, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. That's pretty, that's pretty. I think he wanted us to understand that he was called by Jesus himself into the ministry, did he? Was he not? So I think that's what he, he wanted us to understand that. So I think Paul's wife in his contribution to the Bible justifies the fact that he was the one that was chosen by God. And I thought it was interesting. I, J. Vernon McGee was, is one that I read after some. I mean, I've got some, some of his books. And um, his comment I thought was kind of interesting about this. He, he didn't believe, he didn't feel as though this was God's, the Holy Spirit moving, okay? And, and I'm, again, I'm not questioning these men. They're far better men than I'll ever be. I'm sure of that. But he said he thought the Holy Spirit ignored Matthias in terms of his being recognized as an apostle. That's not to say he didn't serve the Lord and he didn't live a life that was in service to him. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But he's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. So I just think it's kind of interesting. So I don't know if y'all have any comment on that or not. I mean, again, this is not a yes or no or you know, I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, to me, just some facts to consider. 
And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to cast any bad upon these men. I mean, they were, I'm sure they had good intentions. And, and I'm sure he was a good man as well. So, but have you ever really, I mean, I'm sure we've all read these verses before. We've heard them preached on, probably taught on over the years. But have you ever really sat there though and really thought about the fact that Jesus, we know Jesus wasn't there. And we know the Holy Spirit was not present. I mean, did you ever think about that? what that time frame would have been like. I mean, just a, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't impact this, what was done. I'm just saying, have you ever thought about that in it? So just to, again, food for thought. So, all right. Y'all are awful quiet this morning. Okay, that's where, let's move on to, to chapter 2, verse 1. So, chapter 2, verse 1. I'm sure nobody's ever read this verse before, probably. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And I'm just going to read this one verse this morning because there's a lot in this one verse, I believe. And um, it says, on this day. And again, you know, think about, you know, as I, as I just sat and, and, and thought about this one verse, think about this for a minute. For us, this day in verse 1 occurred about, 2,000 years ago, okay, about 2,000 years ago. And if we look at the, at the time of this event in Acts 1, um, I wrote that backwards, in Acts 2, 1, um, this would have been about 1,500 years after God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And y'all can go back and check me, but I'm, I'm using rough numbers. About 1,500 years after he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and the nation of Israel. 1,500 years before that, this day of Pentecost, okay, God gave the people direction on how to worship him and how to honor him, okay? I mean, to me, that's what the, that's what the commandments were, right? I mean, that was a, in that was how they were to approach God, how they were to worship him, how they were to conduct him, their, themselves as a, as a nation, as his people, more so than just a nation, but as his people. And when God gave us direction, though, you know, as I, as I went back and looked, he had so much more in mind than just giving the direction and, and those Ten Commandments to those people at that point in time. I mean, there is so much more, so much more. And God, what God was doing, he was giving them and us, I believe, in the book of Leviticus, not only the requirements to worship and have a relationship with God at that time in history, I mean, that was a fact, but he was laying out the feasts that the people were to honor and participate in from that point in time forward to today. I mean, think about that. He was All that was laid out at that time. And in these feasts that God gave to the Jewish people, we see the prophecy of the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Do we not? I mean, if we, if we look, if we get in there and study, we see that. And these feasts were established for the Jews. But boy, I tell you what, I'm glad that God always had a plan for us Gentiles, are you not? I mean, he never forgot about us. He never forgot about us. I say praise the Lord. So, so there's three feasts, you know, you say, well, why are you talking about this for? Because I think for us to really understand what, what we're being told here in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, when it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, for us to really understand that, I think we need to back up for just a little bit and look at a couple of these feasts. Well, actually three of them, two of them, three of them, however you look, however you want to count to really understand what Luke's telling us here when it says the day of Pentecost was fully come. Because there was, 
There's a lot there. There's a whole lot there. So um, the first one is the Passover. Okay, the Passover and, and, the, and what I'm going to call the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, if that's a good way to call it. But if we want to go back to Exodus chapter 12, and this was the, I think I can be correct in saying this, this was the first Passover. Is that a fair way to say it? In Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verse, starting with verse 3. Well, I'll tell you, I, I read these verses the other morning and man, my heart got stirred. I'm thankful for, for a God that cares about us, for one that loves us and one that cares about us. And um, Exodus 12, verse 3 says, Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day... Of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And um, this first, the, the first Passover, when we think about what this means, I mean, what's the last thing that he said that he tells us in verse 14, or the very first thing he says in verse 14 after he gives the specific guidance as to what they're to do, he says in verse 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. To me, you know what that means? Don't ever forget. Boy, I tell you what, I mean, yeah, how could we forget? I mean, I don't know about you, when, when I read those verses, I mean, I feel something every time I read them. I'm glad that God cares. He made a plan, but what my point is this morning, what I'm trying to get across is, he was talking to the nation of Israel here, 
But we see our Lord and Savior right here, the Messiah coming. I mean, because he came, we know, as the Lamb, as the perfect Lamb. And if you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16... Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. Verses 1 through 3. It says, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God, for in the month of Abib the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. And listen to what verses 2 and 3 say. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And he says right there in verse 1, Observe the month and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. I mean, again, he's saying, don't forget about it for, us, for them to keep it. And, you know, the feasts, they were never intended to be a ritual. Okay? I don't believe that. I don't believe they were ever intended. God didn't intend for them to be a ritual. The feasts were established to ensure that the past miracles of God were not forgotten. I mean, that's what I think. Tell me if I'm wrong. But that's right. That's right. Not supposed to just go through the motions. Right? I mean, you know, and, and I think we should never be that. If, if that's what we're doing in coming to church, then we need to, we need to get real close with the Lord and figure out what's wrong. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, and I'm talking to myself. I mean, if we ever get to that point, we don't want to be there. I mean, because there's a purpose. And he wants... He wanted to ensure that they were, these things that he had done, these miracles that they had seen, what he had done for them, that they were planted in the hearts and the minds of the nation of Israel, not only in their hearts and minds, but it's in his book for it to be implanted in our hearts and in our minds and for us to understand that what he did, he didn't just do for them, he did for us. Now, give me a little bit of leeway there. I know there's, you understand what I'm saying. There's a difference between Israel and the church. I understand that. But again, to me, this represents, we can see in the Passover, we can see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. So, verse 3, he goes on and he says, what's he say again? We're told that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And I say glory. Because you know what? When I read that and I was studying, I thought, man, I can remember the day I, he reached down when I was in the land of Egypt and he pulled me out of the land of Egypt and showed me a new way to live. You know what I mean? I mean, and to me, that's, again, we can see the symbolization of our Lord and Savior in here. So um, God told the nation of Israel to never forget the life that I brought you out of, the slavery and the bondage that you were in. Can we not testify to that this morning for the Lord and our Lord and Savior? Never to forget to thank him what he brought us out of, what he saved us from, and the fact that he's keeping us each and every day. And he mentions in here the unleavened bread. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, how they were instructed to eat unleavened bread, and I thought how that represented 
the holiness, I think, the holiness and the pureness of Almighty God. I mean, I know it represents some other things too, but to me, we can see the holiness and the pureness of Almighty God because why? Because there was no leaven in it. There was nothing, it was pure. And I read a little bit and I, and I came across this footnote somewhere in my Bible, I don't remember exactly where. It said that the leaven signifies corruption. I mean, we know this, right? It, it signifies corruption, it signifies sin. But a reminder to us that we're to purge corruption and sin from our lives and celebrate redemption. Isn't that, I mean, isn't, I mean think about that. I mean, all these are, are, this is all good, this is all applicable to us. Even though it was pertinent to the nation of Israel, we can still apply it to us as the body of Christ today. I mean, you know, in, in terms of symbolism, I believe. So, in, um, in verses 5 and 6, let me, let me read on down. It says, in verse 4, and it says, And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. And that's why it says that, because it's, it's basically saying, get your house in order. Get, our house, get, our, get yourselves in order. I mean, that's what, it, that's what he's saying. It says, Neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at even remain all night until the morning. And listen to what he says here. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of the gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And the Lord specified to them the place where they were to eat the Passover. Okay? And the sacrifice and eating of the Passover, you know, it brought the nation together. I think it was, I don't know, y'all can help me out with this one. I think it was, the, it was the Passover and it was the maybe first fruits. Y'all tell me if I'm right. There was three times the nation came together that the males of a certain age had to come. Is that the three? Tabernacle, okay. So there was three. So, but the sacrifice and the eating of the Passover brought the nation of Israel together. And look at how we can see, think about this, Almighty God as the host of the Passover meal. And you say, why do you say that for? Because he's telling them, come, Offer, have the meal, and I'm going to tell you where to come. I mean, he was the host, right? I mean, he was the host, basically. He was telling them, inviting them to come for him to get glory, but he was the host. And today, even though he wasn't, he wasn't physically present, we know that, but he specified the location for the meal, and he oversaw it. He gave the guidance and the direction for it, even though he wasn't physically present. You know, and I thought about the church today, he still specifies the location for us to take part in remembering what he did for us in going to the cross at Calvary for us, does he not? He specifies for us to remember that. It's a commandment that we're to remember, to take communion, to take it in remembrance of his sacrifice for us. Christ isn't actually present with us, but he's observing the fact that we're taking part in that remembrance because he's told us to do that. And... Um, in observing the Lord's Supper and waiting for the time when he will participate with us. I mean, I don't know that, I don't know if you are, maybe I'm not making this clear this morning, you are kind of looking at me like maybe I'm off track, but I'm trying to correlate what God, God the Father gave to the nation of Israel. I mean, he was inviting them to come, he was telling them to come and worship him, and Christ says, come, 
to the, to the Lord's Supper and honor the Lord's Supper and give honor and thanks to me for what I've done for you. That's what I'm trying to, trying to get across this morning. So maybe not doing a very good job of it. So. But anyway, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, maybe this will kind of tie it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses, verse 6 says, um, Therefore, we are always confident knowing... Wait a minute, I don't have my right verse here. That's not right. It helps if I get 1 Corinthians instead of 2 Corinthians. That would help, wouldn't it? Verse 6 says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And footnote in my Bible says that it talks about how that our, it's our attitude and, and the fact again that we need to remember, never forget what he did for us. I mean that's the point I'm trying to, I guess that's the point I'm trying to get across this morning. And Paul tells us over a couple more chapters over in chapter 11. I mean these are the verses that, that we read when we, when we take part in the Lord's Supper that, that the pastors always read. He says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, <coughs> excuse me, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And look at verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I mean, when it's talking about the Passover and the unleavened bread, I mean, to me, all that is talking about remembrance, Honoring, remembering, and keeping ourselves in the right relationship with the Lord as we move forward so that we can have a, a clear relationship with him. So I'm going to stop there this morning. I don't know. And maybe this was just for me. I, I don't know. But, I mean, you think about these things. And how often, though, or maybe you all never did, but lots of times in the past when I would read through these and hear them taught on, I would just think of more of, a, of the process. You know, the process, step by step, you know. Well, they, you know, they got a calendar, and everyone on the calendar, they mark the days, and they do this. It's so much deeper than that. I mean, there's so much more there than that.